traditional definitions of business, entrepreneurship, and success have historically been reserved for cishet white men, and home-based businesses are often run by the rest of us. Whether you're focused on finances, freedom, friendship, or fun within your business, you get to make the rules and define your own success. And that is feminist as fuck. Welcome to F Words. I'm your host, life and business coach, Kelly Jackson. Have you seen the New York Post article from November 2nd that's been circulating the last couple of weeks? There have been a lot of responses to it, and I wasn't planning to add one to the mix, but I just couldn't let it go. Every time I've seen it pop up on one of my social accounts, my entire body has been filled with a fiery rage. And the first thought that comes to me every time is, fuck you, New York Post. Seriously, fuck all of the media outlets who go along with the bullshit methodology of capitalizing on finspo and the thin aesthetic or literally any other kind of body shape and size as a fucking trend. Your body is not a trend. Abusing your body in order to fit into what any kind of media tells you is a trend is a disgusting level of absurdity that is largely unmatched. And yet we do it. We all do it because we've been brainwashed by a multi-billion dollar industry to believe that we can manipulate our physical forms to fit whatever they've decided is the newest hot trend. Fuck all of that. This week on the pod, I sat down with some of my besties to rant about it because honestly, what would you do with your time, your energy, your mental space, and your life if you weren't constantly trying to force your body to look or behave differently? You deserve that life. So give a listen and feel free to share your own thoughts via email or social comment. I'd love to have you in on the conversation. Okay, so fucking new york post um oh my god so uh today for everyone listening i have my three best friends here to have a conversation about this article um i wasn't going to respond to this because there's so much response to it and i don't fucking read the new york post new york post is a conservative outlet that is primarily opinion so it's not something that i read it's not something that normally comes up in my world, but so many people I follow were responding to it that I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is a thing. This is a thing that's fucking happening. And it's a problem for a hundred reasons, a thousand reasons, all of the reasons. But one of the biggest is because the New York Post is one of the most widely circulated journalistic outlets in the United States. And so even though it's not one that I I seek out information from, um, because as I said, it's opinion primarily and conservative. I don't give a fuck about conservative opinions until, until they start pulling some shit that can create really damaging effects. And have really damaging impacts on people. And unfortunately, that's happening a lot lately. Um, And by lately, I mean, I don't know what, fuck, the last like seven, eight years. But (laughs) bye-bye booty. The trend is that heroin chic is now back. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. A body is not a fucking trend. And our generation has a fuckload of body issues, right? Body image issues, body dysmorphia, all kinds of shit because of the goddamn heroin chic trend, quote unquote, that was so popular when we were in adolescence. And heroin chic being a fucking trend is absurd. First of all, the concept that an addiction to heroin is popular fuck you second of all the concept that 
a specific kind of body that number one, most people do not fucking have. And number two, most people cannot fucking attain. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. So that's what I got. Who else has a response? <laughs> I don't know. It's such a very poignant way to start the, the conversation. I just, every single time I have seen this come up, I have just been like a, a ball of fucking rage. Like, I thought we were done with this bullshit. I thought we were done with it. I thought with people like Tess Holiday and Lizzo and so many... <sighs> primarily cisgender women who are not the quote unquote heroin chic body type coming out and embracing their bodies and encouraging other women to embrace their bodies. I thought we were fucking done with this. I thought we were over it, but I mean, there's so much, I mean, fascism is coming back in style. Jesus fucking Christ. Like I just, I can't, I, I can't not respond to it. And rather than me just doing a solitary rant of fuck you. <laughs> Join me would be much better listening content. Um, so I didn't introduce everybody here. Let me do that real quick. Um, the person you have already heard speak, that is Christine Taylor. Laura is here, who you have heard many times. And Megan is here. Um, Megan and Laura were two of my college roommates. Megan is my assistant. Christine joined Laura's leg of my direct sales team. We all did direct sales together. We all have traveled together. Um, we are very good friends. And um, there are a couple of reasons why I thought it would be a good idea to have you all here. First of all, again, so that the entire podcast wasn't just a random fuck you from me. Um, but also the depictions in the New York Post article are all white women and we are all white women. So I thought that would be a useful commentary. Um, Laura and Christine, you both have children and Laura, you work in an elementary school. So like you see the impacts of these things on children in ways that I could never because I don't have them and I'm not involved with them. Um, so I just thought that this would be a much, much better podcast episode if the four of us had a conversation rather than, again, just me yelling, fuck you to the New York Post. Um, okay. What you got? What do you think? I'm just, um, um, and not Uggs, like the boots, like, oh, Uggs, right. Wear the boots, whatever. I, <sighs> I think part of where I have this inner conflict when I get so irritated when I hear these types of things, in addition to being disgusted by the fact that why are we telling people their bodies should be a certain way when people's bodies should just get to be the way they are? And that is a whole bunch of inner turmoil that I've had. I know, you know, you guys have had. I know most people I know have had. Um, but I think also it's because it can get to a point where they think that thinness smallness is being vilified. And I think that's also something that like, no, I'm not saying you can't be thin. I, I have a couple of very good friends that are very, very, very tiny physical shapes. And guess what? They're still not comfortable with how their body is. Right. Because nobody is taught to be comfortable with this, who your body is. And so when we idealize any specific form, we're knocking this down for everyone. Right. But I know that this specific thing is very focused on the fact that in order for someone to have that very tiny body form, if it is not their genetic makeup, it's probably going to cause some severe physiological, mental, emotional damage to their body to try to get there. Exactly. I am very lucky that I at one point was just like, fuck it. I'll just be the fat friend. Cause I don't care. I can't let my body be that small. I don't know how to do that. I have bones. I have hips, whatever. Um, but and it's, I hold know on. you said, I can't let my body be that small, but it's not about letting your body do anything. True. It's about forcing your body yes. into a size and shape that you may not be able to attain no matter how much disordered eating you engage in, no matter how much you beat the shit out of your body in a gym. Like 
Yes. And thank you for pointing that out. Cause that's part of that is my unresolved baggage of saying, I didn't want to let myself do that when like, it's not about letting like what you're saying. And that, and that is part of this whole situation is that those types of thoughts are still so deep in there that no matter how much I do work and say, I'm a 41 year old woman. I am this size. I weigh over 200 pounds. That's fine. That's great. There's still that when I was 19 and friends was popular, not only did I want to look like them and be thin. I also wanted the long, thin hair, the straight hair. I wanted all of that. And I did, I, I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know that I want to take the time to try and see if my body will go into that shape. So I made my hair as straight as possible. And guess what? It looked like shit. Okay. It looked bad. So not only that, I spent two decades punishing my hair. And guess what? When I let my hair be what my hair wants to be, it's beautiful. And it's a similar, like, I just think about that. That's very surface level, but it's the same thing. If you're spending all of this time trying to look like those things and you're not getting there, but you're probably also looking worse in the process. In addition to literally, I can't even wrap my mind around how much trauma and pain and horribleness that disordered eating brings upon that all of these things bring upon that they're trying to do because they want to wear those clothes. They want to look like those people. They want to have that body shape that is not a normal body shape. And then people say, but we, we want to celebrate Marilyn Monroe. She was a 14. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You say that, but also she is not plus size and not by our standards today. And also you can say that, but yet if you see someone who's liking like that, if they are not famous and don't have that money and don't have that lifestyle, Oh, but like, not for her. Mm -hmm. Like she shouldn't be wearing leggings in public because you know, she has hips and thighs. Also, Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe was a size 14 isn't exactly. by today's standards factually accurate. Like, exactly. Like all of like that a, is con- convoluted. Four or something like that by yeah. standards. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's just, I can't. <laughs> well, I had, I had pretty dramatic disordered eating. Um, I didn't realize it was a trend. Um, or a, a fashion thing, but growing up, I was always fat b- by other people's standards. I was always the fat girl. And I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I was so thin to me now. Like when, when I'm looking at myself as a child and I'm like, I was a thin child, but in my head, I can distinctly remember certain outfits that I would wear like the the leggings with the foot thing on the bottom, you remember, and the oversized, yeah, whatever, um, and the oversized sweatshirts, and I was the fat girl in that outfit. Like I distinctly remember that specific outfit and seeing myself um, when I was a teenager in a home video wearing that outfit, going, "Oh my god, I really was fat." No, I wasn't. I was a normal sized child mm-hmm. who was growing and. So then, you know, years and years of disordered eating and the smallest I ever got down to was a size six in women's with severe disordered eating. And it wasn't enough. I was still fat. I was still way overweight. You couldn't see my hip bones and my skirts and, you know, my collarbone didn't stick out enough. And I didn't realize as a child, that um, heroin chic was the thing I was trying to a- achieve. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to achieve not being the fat girl anymore. Like that's well, all I, mean, I wanted. That's what it, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like I'm trying to attain heroin chic. Right. When we right. Think about it. When we think about it, it just sounds like oh, I'm the fat girl. Right. And I don't want to be the fat girl. Right. And even now, um, when I have finally embrace, like Laura said, you know, you get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm 38 years old. I'm over 200 pounds, probably always going to be over 200 pounds. I went to the doctor and I was like, Hey, am I supposed to be this fat? Like, is this the fat that my body is supposed to be at? And my doctor's like, yeah, we don't use that word. Your body is just supposed to be where your body is. But even DNA testing, it's like, Hey, just so you know, you're predisposed to be a heavier set person with larger bone density and good luck losing weight. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm just going to be, this is me. Mm-hmm. And this is where my body is comfortable. And I'm fine with that. And then I started working out because not because I want to be skinny, because I don't want to be skinny. 
I want to be strong. I want to be strong enough to fuck someone up if they come at me wrong. You know what I mean? Like we're still living in that world where women have to take care of ourselves in, you know, safety things. And, and I run and I have fun and all of my friends are how not all of my acquaintances, like, you know, like just people in general, when they find out you're working out, Oh, are you trying to lose weight? No, no, I'm not trying to lose weight. Mm -hmm. How much weight have you lost? I don't care. I don't know. How much, how, how many inches have you? I don't know. What I do know is that I can up my weight now. What I do know is that it's getting easier and that that's what matters. And so that's what I'm trying to show my children because my daughter knows about this article because she brought it to my attention. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, what do you, what do you, she's like, what's heroin chic? And I was like, bullshit. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's some bullshit. And she's like, oh, I guess I'm fat. And I was like, the fuck you are. You are a child. You're a baby. And all of her friends, because I just had a 12 year old sleepover last night. Um, one of her other friends who is lar- So there were three different bodies, right? As there should be. Not everybody's going to have the same body type. Three different bodies in my house last night. Um, A smaller, a medium, and a larger than the other two. Right? So one is smaller than the other two. One's right in the middle. One's larger than the other two. They all looked perfectly proportioned. They all looked healthy and amazing. They looked like beautiful young ladies. And one of them said, I'm fat. And I flew off the handle. And then they like ran away scared. So I was like, you don't get to talk about my kid's friend that way. And she was like, but I was talking about myself. Yeah. And you're my daughter's friend. And you won't talk about yourself like that. Not in my house, not around my daughter. She's going to correct you too. Because first off, you aren't fat. And secondly, like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, what the fuck does fat even mean? It's an arbitrary bullshit measurement spectrum thing. Well, and it's, I, I'm not looking at statistics right now. This is off the top of my head, so I cannot cite sources in this moment. But I think statistically, it's like by the age of seven, girls start dieting on average. And we spend like 33 years of our life on average on a fucking diet, actively on a diet. What? What? Also, I just, one of the things too, I want to point out is that fat is a word that if you want to claim it as your own, that is fine. I think the problem is not enough people have claimed it as their own in a, in a quote unquote positive light. And it's been barbar barbarian. Yeah. I'm making words <laughs> up today. Bombarded into psyches that then there are 12 year old girls saying I'm fat. And to them, that is a negative thing. Right. And to the point that where then when people are saying it's like um, more and more people are saying fat, you know, like as a positive light, I'm fat. I love it. I'm whatever. A few years ago, when the comedian Nicole Byer put out her biography, she's also the host of Nailed It. That's how I initially got introduced to her. Um, but her stand-up comedy is not at all like the Nailed It type comedy. It's definitely more raw, like large black woman. Fuck y'all. This is who I am. And her biography was called Very Fat, Very Brave. And that was her hashtag. And people were like, you are so brave for saying you're very fat. Oh, I love that you're fat. And she was like, no, fuck y'all. That's not, I'm not trying to make you think you, I don't want you to make me feel good for being fat. Like this is what I'm claiming. And I'm not trying to make you feel okay with me. I am me. Like it was, she was, she kept pushing back against like, don't be like, oh, you are so brave because you're saying you're fat. And she's like, no, that's not what this is. Don't misconstrue that I am having, this is my identity and I'm not putting this out there for you to make me feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of an interesting dialogue when I would read like comments on Instagram and she would kind of be like, you know, this isn't about you. And there were so many people trying to basically say, thank you for saying you're fat. Maybe I could say I'm fat too. And she was like, once again, it's not about you. Quit trying to take what's my thing and make it about you. I'm not here to counsel you. I'm not here to do that. And it was really interesting to watch that dialogue and to see that discourse of people like, 
oh, okay, maybe my response to this really isn't about her. Maybe it is about me. And it's something, you know, I've done work. I've done work in coaching on this and will continue to do so because it is something that I myself have, Kelly has coached me on this before on using the word fat in a positive or negative connotation. And which way am I using it? I say I'm using it positively, but dig a little deeper, you know, stack that. Maybe I'm actually using it negatively. And so it is something that I personally have, have been on a journey through. I'm, I'm following my path and seeing where that goes and seeing which way I don't like and whatever. And so I think it's also important to note that, yes, if a 12-year-old says it, it's probably negative, And that sucks. My hope is that somehow eventually the path goes to where a 12-year-old says that and it's Lizzo in her fucking amazing bodice up there on stage with these other women. I mean, it's that. You know what I mean? I don't even necessarily know that I give a shit about that. What I want is for people to be able to say I'm fat and it mean the same thing as I'm tall. Exactly. This is exactly. what I'm saying. Like, they want it to just be, it's their identifier that they have chosen for themselves. Mm-hmm. And where it's not I, an identifier that other people use. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. They shouldn't be like, oh, well, so-and-so um, over there. Well, which one is that? Oh, she's the fat one. I don't even care about that. But like, I guess, because I, I guess, yeah, yeah. Because if you're saying identifier like tall, if it's a if it's a completely neutral term, then it doesn't fucking matter. But like, yeah, the problem is that it's not neutral. It's not right. neutral at all for right. most people. Right. And in order for it to become a positive, we have to pass through neutral. There's neutral. no there's no way to get from like I I had a, a coaching call one day last week with a client who was saying that her brain's constant script is I'm fat, ugly, and stupid. Like it's all the same thing. Fat equals ugly. Fat equals stupid. Fat equals lazy. Fat Mm -hmm. equals bad person. And of course, all of this goes back to have, well, I know some of you have read the book, um, Fearing the Black Body. It all goes back to puritanical, white supremacist, bullshit body standards that in order to differentiate between black women and white women, they created this concept where black women were larger and therefore savage, therefore more sexually promiscuous and white women needed to be thin, therefore pure. They were controlling what they ate, controlling their bodies in order to maintain this identity of purity, which is all fucking absurd and based on absolutely nothing real. And also who wants to live that life? <laughs> well, right. But this is, this is like <laughs> centuries of right, right. ingrained cultural baggage that we carry that in order to be a good white woman, we have to be thin. And we have to be a certain kind of thin and we have to force our bodies into thinness and we have to control what we eat and how we move in order to be good white women. And like, fuck all of that. It's so racist. It's so misogynistic. It's so Christian in a very particular gross way that it, it, it makes me want to punch people. It makes me want to fucking scream. It makes me want to throw, throw shit across the room. Like I just fucking can't stand it. And here's my thing, too, because not everybody is aware of the these standards having those origins and having that extra layer of ideation and all of that, that when you, like, on the surface, you think, oh, well, you're just mad about this body trend, quote unquote, being in style because you're fat and you can't attain that like or you're too lazy to to work hard enough to get to to that shape like they're like that's and maybe it's my maybe that's my extra layers of of work that I need to do as well like automatically thinking that because I am a larger woman by me actually speaking out against these types of standards that are absolutely bullshit that I'm going to like, I automatically think that people are, aren't going to take me seriously because of the way I look. And so, yeah. Cause we're, we're just jealous. That's all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're jealous because, cause that's not us. 
And like, if we could, if we could change the conversation to, to look at the, you know, instead of treating the symptom, actually look at the origin of this disease Mm -hmm. and work on fixing that. Mm -hmm. Megan, I completely identify with that. Everything that you said. And I, I really love that because it's true. You say, if I say this thing, if I make this stance, yes, it's my thoughts about other, that I'm saying other people have these thoughts about me, but also it is the vulnerability of saying, if I put that out there, anyone, whether you are a public figure, Instagram famous, or just someone who has, you know, 50 cousins looking at your Facebook posts, when you put something like that out there, it is the, do I, what, like, where's the benefit? How many people are going to take this seriously? How many people are going to say this? And how much of this is actually going to be me thinking that that's why they're saying this or thinking that and all of that. And so that's your own bullshit. And you, and in order to have the conversation, you have to have the conversation anyway, the conversation needs to exist anyway. And so putting some of that aside to say, I'm going to have this conversation no matter what is a really important thing. And this is something, I mean, you know, Kelly and I talked about this, I don't know, several times ago on a podcast talking about when I finally decided to like speak to my mom about gay marriage and why I wasn't okay with that, you know? And it was like, oh, she's going to think I'm only talking about Kelly or she's going to think I'm only doing this. And it's, it's putting that aside to be like, no, now is the time just to have this conversation, no matter what this person cares, take that stand because it's so important to you. And what I want to know, this is the podcast I would listen to, um, is where did the yo mama joke start? Your mom was so fat. Mm. Because this is what, when you asked us, Kelly, to record with you, literally, it was two hours earlier that my son were coming home. He's in fourth grade. And he's like, mom, here were the jokes everyone was saying today. And they were like four different yo mama so fat jokes. Mm. And he told me, he's like, here's the ones everybody was saying today, like at recess or at lunch or whatever. And he said, I said, okay. I said, hey, buddy, I would really appreciate it if you wouldn't say any jokes that have any comments on anyone's body size. Or shape that's not necessary he's like oh okay it's like if you hear him move on don't repeat him i don't think that's necessary okay and in my head i'm thinking and then you 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 po- you asked us to do this and i i'd seen this article i knew it was existing in the zeitgeist and in my head i'm like where did those come from so here we have the puritanical and all of that and then so is this the white women being forced into thinness. And then all of a sudden there's white women, not thin. So now we're going to knock them down because they're not good enough to be the thin or is it not, doesn't, does it not have any like racial bounds or who knows, but bottom line, that is where I'm very interested to wonder, is that directly related to the other basis of black women, white women, you know I'm confident saying? that it's racist. I can't. I am too. Why. I don't know what I, the exactly. origin is. I haven't looked up the history of those jokes, but I'm. That's why I want a podcast. I want someone to dig in that. Mm-hmm. I want to know. I want to hear that because that's the stuff that too that I find very fascinating. Just like the just like when they go into where what, how we chose pink for girls, blue for boys. Literally marketing to sell more clothes, mm-hmm. and one marketer had it pink for boys, blue for girls. And the next guy put it on the count and on the thing. And he just switched them for no reason. It was literally arbitrary. He picked a or B A's girls, B's boys, and it happened to be pink blue. And here we go. And so that type of thing too, because once you see that too, once again, you're dismantling that you're pulling that, like, look at this shaky ground. This is on, there's not any actual ground under there. It was one person said this. So then poor, and it built on and built upon. And then we have literally generations of humans of women beating themselves into doing their best to be this one shape because someone decided black means fat, white means thin Mm -hmm. or anything. I mean, not just that, you know what I mean? Like any of those. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is fucking bullshit. Well, and it doesn't, it doesn't serve anyone. And just like you were saying, like, even the thin women don't like, they get fucked too. It doesn't serve anyone. And well, maybe that's not entirely true. Maybe it, maybe it serves cishet white men. I'm sure it probably does. Um, but (laughs) I mean, Victoria's secret. Am I right? Yeah. Right. 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 Um, 
but I, I think the problem that we are all kind of talking about in different ways is that like, it's in the fucking water. It's in the air we breathe. And until we know that there is something to look at in order to know which direction to look so that we can dig out everything that's holding it up and see that there's not any fucking ground under it. We don't know that it's not just normal, that it's not just the way things should be. We don't know that. And it's only been in the last couple of decades that we have, as a a global society, had access to all of the information that we do. And obviously, libraries have always existed, but like (laughs) reading a book with your eyes takes a lot longer than listening to, uh, what is it, Blinked? That's like a 15-minute synopsis of a book. Can I also say kind of a bit of a diversion? Libraries always existed. But a lot of people didn't know nor understand them because when my sister worked at a bookstore in inner city Baltimore, the amount of parents who would come in on a Tuesday night to buy books on a topic because their high school student was writing a research paper and was like late or whatever. And they'd ask my sister, I need a book on this subject. And my sister at the time getting her master's in history has since gone on to get a doctorate in history and philosophy was like the perfect person to be asking because she also worked at a library at the time. The amount of them though, who were checking out and buying these books and she'd give them the total and they'd be like, man, I wish there was like a bookstore, like a video store where you can just rent the video, like rent the book. And my sister would be like, yes, a library that happened at least twice a week. I'm sure. Well, and even even and it's knowing heartbreaking, that a but library also, exists, yes, having access to it, and right. knowing you have every human, if you exist, you have access to the library. The library does not discriminate. Yeah, they say right, you have to like have a getting bill. getting to a library isn't yes. always true. Mm-hmm. In this situation, there was yeah. a library two blocks from that store. But anyway, it's still knowing and being aware and awareness. And so this is the same thing is knowing that like there's there's so much people just don't know. They don't know what they don't know and how. Why don't they know that? Where is right. that loss in understanding, like learning that one nugget that so many of us are like, yeah, so you just go to the library, you know? Well, and if. If it's common enough for a person you actually know in your real life to have had that experience multiple times a week in a place where a library was down the street, then obviously, like, we can sort of deduce from that, that in places where libraries aren't as available, libraries aren't as abundant, libraries aren't as well-funded, maybe, Libraries aren't as accessible um, because the funding doesn't allow it to be open during times when people would need it, you know, or whatever, then that it, it creates a barrier of information. It creates a barrier to learning. It creates a barrier against being able to access the, um, I don't know, the content that's housed within the fucking library. You know, and when those barriers exist, compounded by the fact that, like, you know, this shit isn't taught in schools, then how are you supposed to learn things like, oh, you know what, that trend that's happening right now, that's not actually a trend and it's actually bullshit and you can't actually do it. That trend is really to force you to spend money on shit that's not ever going to work. That's not ever going to make you feel better. That's actually going to make you feel worse. So then you're going to spend more money to try to feel better. And like who fucking profits off of this? Well, it's not the library who profits off of this is the diet industry, the multi-billion dollar diet industry, the fashion industry, um, you know, probably the alcohol. Because yeah, as soon as you start losing all the weight from using all the products that you're buying 
from the diet industry, then you have to go buy all of the new clothes. Mm-hmm. And the new clothes are going to be more expensive because they're in fashion right now. Yeah, well, exactly what the article said. The different cuts and the, yeah, and the painting the, your the article dress was about on your body. Mm-hmm. The article was, was about, about fashion week, yeah. And about the micro mini skirt the labels become known for. And you've got to buy this multi, probably, I don't know how much it is. I guess it's thousands of dollars. And you have to do all of this work and take all and of these pills and all this stuff to buy it. And then you have to have your labia removed in order to fit into the things. Right. <laughs> and get a spray tan. Because also, can we say that you can't be, even if you are thin, you also can't be pale. Oh, right. no. And I don't know what that's like. I wasn't called and, powder and when I was short. in junior high. You can't, be, you can't be thin and and short either. You have to be a certain height for your body to be standard beautiful otherwise people just say that you're a little kid and they're like oh you're yes. just a little kid can you even drive are you tall enough to drive kelly doesn't then, know what and, that's like and i have to admit that for for a while um i was very guilty of um i guess i want to say mm, weaponizing thinness uh, attacking thin people and I don't know if it's because I was insecure about myself because I, you know, I mean, that's, that's my thing, but I was like, oh my gosh, like, can I get you a cheeseburger? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. I met one of my friends in school who was always, always starving, like always and not starving herself. This child, cause we were children, she, she couldn't get enough to eat. She could not eat enough. Her metabolism was so high that she would literally eat three cheeseburgers at lunch and she was a zero for all through middle. And it wasn't until she was 25 years old that her metabolism slowed down and she made it up to a size five Mm -hmm. and not because she wanted to be skinny because she didn't want to be skinny Mm -hmm. because there was such a, there was a time. I mean, obviously I didn't attack her. Cause I, I knew her, which does not make my attacks on other people at all acceptable, like super shitty, obviously. Um, but she was attacked for being skinny. She was told all the time. Everybody was like, can I get her a cheeseburger? Like maybe she just needs to eat. And I was like, oh, she'll eat a few cheeseburgers. If you let her have them, she will eat all of your cheeseburgers, but she's still not going to put any weight on. And now I have a child, not mine, but right across the street from me who is one year younger than my daughter, who wants to eat everything. And her parents let her eat everything. But the medication that she is on, she doesn't gain any weight. So she is um, she is so small that the pediatricians, up until this year, have uh, labeled her as failure to thrive. Well, she isn't failure to drive. She's driving. You've put her on a medication that makes it so she can't gain any weight. Like, that's just her body. And why why are we there? Why? So, mm, I I feel like I got really lucky to find a doctor that told me that we weren't going to talk about my weight and that my weight wasn't going to be an issue. And so if I went to her and I said, oh, I've got this problem the first thing they weren't going to say to me is, well, maybe you should lose weight because as a female, that has been a very common occurrence in my life. Oh, well, this is the problem I have. It would probably be better if you lost some weight. Well, thank you. But that's not going to fix a knee. I, I, mean, went maybe a, but. I went to a doctor once because I had a neck, like I had an injury in one of the muscles in my neck and he was like, well, I won't tell you how much weight you've gained. I'm like, this has absolutely nothing to do with my neck right now. I fucking slept weird or some fucking shit. <laughs> Fix you my always, neck. You got to come up with those comebacks. Like, because I always, I always come up with them afterwards, right? But yes. it's a, was he a married white man? Uh, yes. Okay. So then you could be like, oh, well, this is just from like, totally going to town on your wife last night you know something like that like i must have pulled it <laughs> going i don't know that weaponizing homosexuality is the best choice oh <laughs> you know what and i don't think i would have seen it like that until you said something but th- thank you mm-hmm. for bringing that to my attention mm-hmm. i apologize 
I just know that like the your wife didn't have an issue with it for men is like a, a common comeback. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I also don't know that I think it's necessarily appropriate to um, demonize Bring people's small penises, which is generally like what that goes back to. Like, oh, <laughs> that's a, that's a great idea either because that that's body shaming as well. Yeah, that's body shaming. Like, and, and like, this is just such a great example of how, like, it's just in the fucking water. Like, oh, you say something about my body. I'm going to say something about your body, whether it's performance size, whatever. And like, I don't think that that's the answer. Right. That's exactly right. Like, Christine, when you were talking about, um, like, shaming uh, skinny people, like, I have a distinct memory of when I was in middle school and people were giving me shit because I was bigger. I wasn't fat, but I was bigger. And, um, like, I, like, somebody at some point, and I don't, I don't remember which came first. Like, if I said it in retaliation or if I was joining in on being an asshole to a skinnier person, um, cause, but like, I know at one point, it was said to me, are those your legs or are you riding a hippo? And then it, during that conversation to a friend of mine, it was said, oh, are those your legs or are you riding a chicken? Like it went within one conversation. Nobody was quote unquote safe. Like, I mean, everybody was attacked for their body and there was mm-hmm. absolutely no reason for it. I can still but I was an active remember. participant because I was trying to fit in. <laughs> I can distinctly remember attacking someone in middle school. First and last name, still remember them verbatim, know exactly what I said. Super shitty. I said, roses are red, violets are black. Why is your chest as flat as your back? Mm-hmm. You and then, so, so was mine. Guess what? Not the point. It was shitty. It was awful. But the I'm opposite- never going to forget that. Christine, the opposite is I was in eighth grade and I started, I started wearing a bra in third grade. So in eighth grade, I was the same size I was when I was like, before I got pregnant, like my boobs grew to like seventh grade and then they stayed the same till I got pregnant. Right. So I was like a B cup, whatever. But in eighth grade, when I had friends who started wearing a bra just because they wanted to, because they didn't need to yet, but they felt like they were being left out. You know what I mean? I had all the boys, Laura stuffs her bra, Laura stuffs her bra don't believe me look at her because at basketball practice her boobs aren't that big because I changed from a bra to a sports bra for basketball so that means I stuffed my bra and that was a six-month thing of every single boy in junior high and they were asking the girls doesn't Laura stuff a bra tell me how she stuffs her bra in the locker room we want to see all the stuff that falls out blah 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 bottom line I don't know why when or where some of this comes back to you know like the book and the, the histories you were talking about, Kelly, but why should we have any comments on a person's body period? Exactly. Exactly. And if we retaliate, that is probably because it's hitting us where we're insensitive. Yeah. Same oh, thing. For sure. Exactly. And this is the same thing of, you know, um, I've, I've heard it talked about on a couple different podcasts before, but it's like, if someone says something about you and it doesn't trigger one of your things that like you feel insecure about, you're just like, whatever. But if it triggers you about something that you're insecure about, you're pissed. So like, if someone comes up to me and says, Hey, Laura, you wear glasses. Yeah. But Hey, Laura, you got fat thighs. What the fuck are you talking about, bro? I don't have fat, fat thighs. I just got thighs. I got meat. I got, I lifted weights, blah, 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 blah. Like it's the exact same thing because you, I'm not the exact same thing, but I mean, like it hits you because that's what you're still self-conscious about. And most people, unfortunately, feel a certain way about their bodies. Because we're told we have to. Exactly. Because we're told if exactly. we don't hate our bodies, then we're doing something wrong. If we don't hate our bodies, we're not going to spend money in order to fucking fix our bodies. Right. And if, exactly. if we don't hate our bodies, we're not going to try to meet some ever whatever bullshit arbitrary standard that we are told we need to meet, which fucking changes all the time. Right. And conversely, if someone says something about your body and that's something you're self-conscious about, you're pissed off and you hate your body more. If they say something about your body and you're like, ooh, that makes me feel good, 
then later you're like, well, I feel bad. That person commented on my body and I felt good about it because once again, we're told we have to care about our bodies. So you tell me yes. I, you like my ass. Oh, that makes me feel so good. You tell me you don't like my ass. Oh, that makes me feel so bad. There is mm-hmm. literally no winning Mm-mm. when we are taught to connect who we are as humans to what our shell consists of. We are, mm-hmm. there is no winning, no matter if you're 10 or 50, there's no fucking winning. It's, and, it's just bullshit. And there are four women, four white women on this call. And there are not men on this call, but it is also a situation with men right now with uh, whether or not they're supposed to be, or, or do you need to have a dad bod or are you supposed to be fit? Like, who are you supposed to be? What is right. attractive? Well, and what the fuck does fit even mean? Like, right. because how cut are we getting here? Like, there's there is no winning. There right. is no fucking winning. No. And even and go back even, even in my her. even in my marriage, like my husband rocks the dad bod. I find him very attractive. I love him. I would marry him all over again. I already have once. Like I still, <laughs> I'm still attracted to my husband. But if he looks over and he sees me looking at like Instagram or uh, Facebook reels of gym dads or gym men typically if I'm looking at it I'm trying to make sure I'm doing a deadlift right because the shit is complicated and I just don't get it um <laughs> but if he he'll, he'll get a little insecure and he's like well is that attractive is that what you're attracted to and I was like I can be attracted to a whole lot of things mm-hmm. first off I can be attracted to skinny I could be attracted to not skinny I could be attracted to fit and I could be attracted to not fit and I can all of that and that's okay like you don't have to be, you just have to be you. And so I, I just want to put that plug in there for, uh, uh, you know, when you start to get more male listeners, they'll hear that, you know, we, yeah, we're talking about your bodies too. It's fine. Your, your bodies are fine. Whatever your body is right now, it is fine. <laughs> it's a great body yeah, you're totally- and you're living in it. And <laughs> you're exactly right, Christine, because I actually had that same conversation with my husband the other day. Um, cause he's, he's one who has a real good eye for style and like dresses himself very well all the time and very nicely dresses me. Yeah. He's, he's very snappy. And so like when we go out and stuff, like he always looks real nice cause he puts together a really good outfit and he was going out the other day and I, you know, I was telling him how great he looked and he was like, is it just cause of my clothes or is it cause I look good? Like he was actually questioning whether or not I thought he was attractive without the clothes. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I was like, no, maybe like, I don't remember what I said, but I mean, cause he is a very attractive human. Like he is a very attractive human inside and out. All things yes. about my husband I love. And I, I was like, and it, yeah, it just hit that he was, he was questioning what, what it was like if it was just the frosting that he was putting on the, the shell or I do like was, frosting right <laughs> <laughs> if it was the decorations or if it was him and so i mean yeah so it's the whole cake it's the, it's the, whole, the cake. whole cake but yeah like that's i mean if if we could just change the conversation and get to a point of neutrality where bodies are bodies they're literal shells of cells and muscle yeah it's a meat sack meat meat popsicle that's meat popsicle (laughs) (laughs) fifth element i am a meat popsicle that's movie quotes that's who i am just below i love yeah i i don't know what it will take for us to get there and i well I thought we were further along than what we clearly are, which is the same case with when we had Barack Obama as president. I thought we were further along than what we clearly are. And um, it's, it's interesting to note that for me, because it may very well be that what I'm seeing reflected back to me is primarily um, related to the work that I have done 
right? So like I have done a fuckload of work on body image. I have done a fuckload of work on health um, because of the innumerable <laughs> um, conditions that my body has, um, autoimmune conditions. And also, you know, my mother and the genetic things and my partner and the issues that she's having now, you know, so like I've done a ton of work on what bodies mean and what health means. So it's very possible that I thought we were further along than we are because I am further along than this fucking article. And so when this came out, then it was like, wait a fucking minute. (laughs) What do you mean? Fuck you, you know? Um, And so maybe I'm not seeing it as clearly, right? Maybe I'm not seeing it as clearly because it doesn't pertain to me as much anymore as it used to. And Jesus, God did it used to. Um, But God, I just, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll never get to a place where body neutrality is a part of our cultural conversation in the way that I would like it to be. Maybe that's, that's a thing. But you do have now your clients and uh, I I won't speak for any of your other clients, but I will 100% pass on continuously, whether people want me to or not, things like, oh, but you don't have to think that way. You know, that's that's not a thought you have to have. You get to choose to have that thought. And I, I have, you know, I get to show my children and my friends' children that same, and my children's friends, um, that same thing, you know, like your body is just your body. You aren't, you aren't going to speak negatively about it because it houses you. It protects you. It keeps you alive. It does all of these amazing things. So, but you know, it can just be your body. Um, and it doesn't have to have a good or a bad. It can just be a body. And I get to teach that to my my child because I have been able to learn that. And my children, not just my daughter, I teach it to my son too, but like women and that's what we're talking about. So that's where, um, but, and then I get to teach it to their friends. And I'm sure that people that spend their time around larger numbers of children get to then pass that on to children as well. And hopefully we can do better by our children's generation than was done by ours. I hope so. I Because it did say, the article did say that eating disorders spiked during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I will say that I might have had some disordered eating during the pandemic, but it was a lot of eating my emotions and not a lot of starvation. So my disordered eating was the other way it's still disordered, but you know, like lots of just burying my feelings under things that will physically hurt my body later, you know, like, Oh, I'm sad. Let's have some cheese. Um, (laughs) uh, but yeah, I really, I really believe that we are going to be able to do right by our next generation in a way that was not done right by us if that makes sense my mother never told me that my body was fine my mother had disordered eating um she still buys me diet supplements i have a whole cabinet of diet products from my mother since the pandemic began (laughs) and every time she comes over i'm like okay that's you're really losing a lot of weight mom you're you're not going to be able to hold up your bones and you have osteoporosis. Let's, let's work on some of that. <laughs> but I, I feel like I am going to do better by my children and by their friends. And I, I, I feel the same about the rest of you on this call. I have this question that occurred to me while you were talking though. Um, it's not terrifying or anything. <laughs> Do you think <laughs> do you think that this considering the article is in a conservative media outlet and 
when you're talking about like my clients and the people who then like ripple effect they touch. And obviously I'm not the only coach who like talks about body acceptance and body neutrality. And it's not my primary like gig, For sure. right? Like, so um, there are tons of other coaches who talk about body neutrality and whatnot. The ones that I know are progressive. Do you think that there is a divide that mimics the political divide? I do. Current system. I do. And I, and I, I only say that from my small group of like my, I don't, I don't, words are hard. Um, Like my small collective, my small awareness or, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Your friends? Yeah. Like my, my small friend group, like my, my, anyway. Network. Yeah. My network. Thanks. Okay. (laughs) Like, because it's not, it's not large. Like I don't have a large network or a large outreach or anything like that. And, and the things that really come close to home are even smaller than that. So in my very small community here in my home community, Mm -hmm. um, the people that seem to have the most issue with bodies are more conservatively. Which then goes back to the idea that this is based in racism. It's based in puritanism. It's based in misogyny. And all three of those combined then create this bullshit body situation specifically for white women. Again, I'm like specifically for white women. And so if that's the case, the more conservative you are, and and obviously like we've not done research on this. But if that's the case, that the more conservative you, you are, then the more like you're likely to not do the work to overcome that kind of stuff and also not look at where it fucking comes from. Yep. Um, then how do we create a change for the next generation that isn't just for children of progressive parents? How do we create a bigger social impact? You invade their space. No, I'm just, uh, <laughs> that's me. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't help overhear you say you say your daughter was fat. Let me tell you how wrong you are. Or hi, couldn't over or help overhearing you're having issues with my body at the pool in my bikini. I might be showing too much skin for a fat person, but and and I will do that. I don't. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like this. This is my body. I don't, I don't need to hear your opinion on it. That's, that's an opinion you're allowed to keep to yourself, but I'm comfortable in myself and I'm comfortable in my body and I'm comfortable at my pool mm-hmm. in a bikini. And I have definitely um, stopped some of my conservative neighbors from having conversations about their daughter's body because there's nothing wrong with her body. Um, she has been typecast in theater as the big girl. Um, so the only roles that she has been given are always characters of size. Mm-hmm. And um, so then her mom is like, well, I'm going to have to put her on a diet or I have to do this. And I have to, and I was like, you don't have to do any of that. That's her body. There's nothing wrong with her body. It's, it's a body. And um <laughs> So I then put her mother, like the woman was talking about her daughter, um, her mother missed, she didn't bring a swimsuit. And I was like, I've got 17 bikinis. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm going to get one. We're very close in size. It'll fit you. And she's like, I can't go out in public like that. And I was like, why? She was like, I'm showing so much skin. I'm so fat. And I was like, would you look me in the face and tell me that I was fat? And she was like, no, you're beautiful. Okay. Well, that's not what I asked. If you're not going to look me in my face and tell me that I'm fat and you are wearing my bikini, then why can't you wear that in public? Mm-hmm. Why is it different for, uh, what is the, what is the line that Kelly says to me all the time? Well, why are you so special? <laughs> <laughs> what makes you so special? And so that's, I have, I have actually used that. If you won't look, this friend in the face and I've said it to my daughter and I've said it to my friends. If you won't look so-and-so in the face and tell them 
that they are whatever you can't, you don't get to say it about yourself. It's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's how we do it. We do it. It's a secret warfare where through love, <laughs> through love, we force our liberal agenda. <laughs> liberal agenda for not hating your fucking for body. For not hating your body. <laughs> With love. That's how we do it. We're like dirty hippies. That's how we do it. <laughs> Only without the patchouli. <laughs> I, I don't love patchouli. I don't. I don't, I don't love patchouli. <laughs> you know, so here's, this is completely off topic, but I also don't love patchouli, but I was talking to a couple of women in a a coaching program that I'm a student in the other day about essential oils. And one of them was saying like, you know, I thought that I didn't like lavender until I got a good lavender. And so like, there's such a big difference. And I was saying, you know, lavendin is a synthetic derivative of lavender that's commonly found in blends. And I'm actually allergic to it. And I found that out as a massage therapist when I was using a blend with lavender in it, my throat started closing. So like, I understand how that could be like, you think that you're smelling something, but it's not actually a pure blend of that oil. And someone mentioned patchouli that they wear patchouli, but they thought they hated patchouli until they got a really good one. And I was like, motherfucker, I also hate patchouli. Maybe I like lavender. You know, once I smelled real lavender, I, I, commiserated with that person because once I smelled real lavender and not something with lavender in it I was like oh fuck yeah lavender all day every day maybe I've just never smelled real good patchouli maybe that's why I hate it <laughs> okay that could so I'm gonna, like could be very true but also some I feel like they would ha- I feel in my heart that that would be good patchouli <laughs> Because all of their other products seem so natural and amazing. I could be totally wrong. Still hate the patchouli soap sure. smell at the grocery store that they have. Sure. So. I mean, like the pacha soap that's at Whole Foods. Like, I'm not into the patchouli one there. But I've never actually just smelled patchouli from a bottle. That's true. I guess I haven't done that either. From like... I've a- only, only in like soap, natural soaps. Yeah. In in stores. Yeah, from like a reputable like brand of old essential oils. Women. Like what I would use the lavender of. I've never smelled that kind, that level of patchouli. So it's possible. Yeah. I'm open to maybe, the possibility. Maybe I that just I might don't like the smell it. of old white women. <laughs> old white women smell like patchouli to you? No, they always wear patchouli. And so <laughs> when I smell it, I'm like, oh, so maybe it's just the old white women that I don't. <laughs> maybe it's old white, women old white women smell like cheap floral fragrances <laughs> yeah like rose i'm like grandma's Stuff. bathroom that's the smell yes. that in yes. patchouli in my mind in my mind it's like cheap i don't know cheap floral powder cheap my floral. grandma was like oh, a powder like a, a fragranced body powder Oh, I don't like that either. But that's not what I think patchouli smells like. Patchouli, like... You must know more, quote-unquote, hippies, Christine, because I don't think old women smell like patchouli unless they drive no, I'm saying the original Prius typically, and are... <laughs> typically, the only women that I have ever been around that wear patchouli are old white women. And I don't oh. like the way it smells on them. So it. maybe it's just the old white women I don't like. Or... <laughs> Or maybe it's just a body chemistry thing for the women that I have been around that wear it. Yeah. That I don't find that to be a lovely scent. Sure, sure. That's funny. Um, okay, we've we've gone past an hour. I don't want to keep you, Christine, I don't want to keep you from your football game. I don't want to oh keep God, the rest geez. of you from your <laughs> afternoon. Um, are there any last, like, I don't know, parting words that any of you all have? Mine are basically just fuck you, New York Post. But <laughs> I, I second fuck you, New York Post. But also um, just be open for all of the corrections. Like there are so many things. And ho- if anybody actually listens, I, I feel like I took that correction from you pretty well. Yeah. And um, and I, I often offer corrections to people on all kinds of things because there are so many things that 
are ingrained in us that we don't know if what you don't know what you don't know. Um, so like my favorite correction is when people say, Oh man, I was just gypped. And I was like, that's actually a racial slur and you should not use that in your daily, you know, but people don't know that. And then they get really offended. I didn't know it was a racial slur. (laughs) You don't have to be mad at me about it. I was just informing you. (laughs) Um, so just be being open to corrections. And when it comes to people's bodies, like just shut your mouth. Well, and I think that that's really like poignant specifically with that phrasing coming from you too, because you have Roma ancestry. I totally do. <laughs> so like, it, it's, it's so interesting when you have, when you have either experience or knowledge or whatever about something and you come to someone with a gentle, loving correction and they well, get and I have, I have used that. Yeah. I, but like before I knew what it meant because you don't know, like, um, same thing with, oh man, I just got Jude. Like, I didn't know what that meant. I used I to use that all the time before I knew, but because you don't know. Yeah. And I, I had no idea what that even meant until one day I knew what that meant. And then I was like, oh, that's awful. Oh, that makes me feel really, I think I was in college when I finally learned in a Shakespeare class. I learned what that meant. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Merchant of Venice that we were sure. studying when I figured out what that actually meant. And I was like, that's disgusting. And the fact and that it took it you again. until college to learn that, the fact that it was like such a part of colloquial yep. language where you grew up and then it took you until college to learn that is such proof that, you know, people don't go to fucking libraries. People don't get the information. Yep. It's not part of our public discourse to discuss the linguistic heritage and the cultural heritage of the bullshit that we carry with us. Yeah, and etymology classes, I feel like etymology should be taught in in high school. Well, and if it was, then I bet there would be other things like where your body image issues come from that kind of infiltrate into that, but that's not the way our education system works. And so it's, I guess, up to Reason us. 756,000, whatever, that I'm no longer in the education system. <laughs> but it's up to each of us individually to, like, do the work on ourselves and then take that work into our communities, one by one, conversations, which is, I mean... Real slow, <laughs> but <laughs> slow and steady, baby. Slow and steady. Yeah. Any other last parting words anyone has? Oh, all right. Beautiful. Thank you for being willing to have this conversation with me. Um, thank you for spending this time with me on your Sunday afternoon. Um, thanks for having us. Oh my gosh. Truly my yeah, pleasure. Thanks. Truly my pleasure. All right. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'll see you soon. Me too. Bye. 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 Bye.